Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It is Wednesday, December 18th, and Bruce Allen is still technically employed by the Washington Redskins, and Urban Meyer was at our game this weekend. What a strange week. We're going to break it all down on the Pigpen Podcast. Drag up that diesel. This is the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. We got a, a whole lot to break down in what was kind of a, not crazy, but a interesting week to say the least for the Redskins. But if this is your first time listening to this podcast, be sure to subscribe to the Hogshaven podcast feed and become a member of the site hogshaven.com to interact with all of us over there and just talk Redskins. It's what we do over there. We like the Redskins. We talk the Redskins. So if you're not a member, make sure you go and do that. Okay, so we are going to talk about how Bruce Allen is still employed because I was patiently waiting just about all last week anticipating the notification that was going to come across my phone saying that Bruce Allen has been fired and I went the entire week and it didn't happen. It was a little disappointing. I was sitting there waiting. I was I was itching to do the podcast to come in here celebrating about how Bruce Allen is fired and then it it didn't happen. So that was disappointing. And then on Sunday, we get maybe the biggest news. I don't even know if it's really that big a news based on what actually is going on with the situation, but it was a little bit of a surprise to see Urban Meyer walking the sideline in the game during the game prior to the game uh, against Philadelphia. Didn't really see that one coming. And of course, that led to tons of speculation, tons of rumors as to why exactly is Urban Meyer there? Is he going to take the Redskins head coaching job? Is this just a way to piss Jerry Jones off? Because Urban Meyer has been rumored for a lot of head coaching positions, two of which in the NFL with us and with the Dallas Cowboys, and then a couple in college. But at this point, we don't really care about those too much because he's not going back to college. He's probably not going back to the pros either or going to the pros. He's not coming here. That That's kind of the gist of what I'm saying here. We found out after the game that Terry McLaurin said that Urban Meyer was his guest. He was there to support both Terry and Dwayne Haskins. The support ran so deep with Dwayne Haskins that he didn't even know that he was there. 
Yep, Urban Meyer was there to support Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins, two guys that he coached, and Dwayne Haskins found out that Urban Meyer was there after the game. Real great guy, that Urban Meyer. Real, really there to support. Of course, he coached Alex Smith as well at Utah, so we saw uh, tons of shots during the broadcast of him sitting with Alex Smith in the bra. In I think I'm assuming that's Dan Snyder's box. I'm guessing Alex Smith gets to sit in Dan Snyder's box. That would seem to make a whole lot of sense, uh, especially with the rumors swirling about how Alex Smith might get involved in the front office moving forward, which I will say, big fan of that. Don't think we should put him immediately a general manager, but I do like the idea of having a football guy having at least some sort of say in the football decisions. Funny how that one works. Um, But we actually found out the real reason, supposedly, this is real reason number two. So you can choose to believe that the Terry McLaurin reason, which was that Urban Meyer was just there to support his guys, even though one of them didn't know he was there. Or you could believe Benjamin Albright, who reported that Urban Meyer is there to assist the Redskins in their coaching search. So he's not going to come coach here, but he is going to help us out. To put this in layman terms, Urban Meyer is not going to take you to the prom, but he will help you find a date to the prom. That's what the situation is going on here if Urban Meyer is having any real say in assisting the Redskins in their coaching search. Now, I, for one, will just say this. The idea of Urban Meyer coaching the Redskins makes me want to vomit. I am not an Urban Meyer guy. He's a dick. I don't want him near this franchise at all. But I do understand and I do believe that not everyone who Urban Meyer associates with is also as much of a dick as he is. So there is some positives in that. I mean, Ryan Day is a great example. I'm not saying we are going to take Ryan Day from Ohio State. Odds that he leaves Ohio State now is very slim. But from what we've seen so far of Ryan Day, seems to be a pretty good dude. He obviously was associated with Urban Meyer, so it is possible that Meyer could associate with decent, redeemable human beings, but he himself is not one. Jim Harbaugh, who's a guy that's been made fun of throughout the course of this season and really his whole tenure at Michigan, but he did say something very interesting this offseason that has proven to be very true in that controversy follows Urban Meyer everywhere that he's gone. It happened at Ohio State. It happened at Florida. He has a proven track record of bringing controversy and then using his health as a reason to dip out once the controversy comes. And based on what we have on this roster, And what I do believe uh, some of the core pieces on our current team can actually become, which is very good players, I don't really want Urban Meyer here. I don't want the controversy that he brings, and I don't want him to dip out once something gets just a little tough. It is a very big contrast also coaching in the NFL as opposed to coaching in college. In college, you have literally all the control that you could ever want. You don't necessarily have that in the NFL. Granted, Dan Snyder would probably be willing to give it up to a guy like Urban Meyer, but it's still not a guarantee that you are going to get to completely design your roster in the way that you want to. There's also a salary cap, which you don't have in college. You can just kind of build your roster based on the recruits, and, well, you can pay a little bit of people in college, but that's for... uh, another time you can't you have to follow the salary cap like you can't just get around the salary cap in the NFL so that would impact the way that you build your roster I don't really think Urban Meyer is cut out to coach in the NFL he's a really really good college coach Uh, I'm certainly not critiquing his college his coaching ability in any sense uh, of the word I just think he's a dick and I don't want him here it's really that simple it's you can say it's personal. Maybe he really is just this great down-to-earth guy. But what I have seen from him at the several places he has coached at is not this good, great heart dude that just really cares about everyone. It's a guy that brings controversy and then runs when it's 
when it comes. And I, I don't like that. I don't want that here. I think there are plenty of guys who are going to hit the coaching market that are both good human beings and good football coaches. We should put our our emphasis in the search on those guys rather than just the big fish being that Urban Meyer uh, is that big fish because of just who his name is, what his name is, who he is, and the success he had in college. Let's turn our eyes to, to some guys that we know are going to be good guys that can bring a locker room together and also coach football. They're out there. We just are going to have to find them. And the problem is, I mean, there's a lot of problems, but the problem here, seeing that Urban Meyer is going to help the Redskins in their coaching search, it almost means that he has more power than Bruce Allen. And that in itself isn't technically a problem because I don't trust Bruce Allen and neither should you. But the idea of somebody not actually involved with your organization having more say than somebody who is involved with your organization isn't exactly good business. But like I started this podcast off by saying, I was patiently waiting for Bruce Allen to get fired all last week. I was anticipating Bruce Allen to get fired all last week. And the week came and the week went and he didn't get fired. We had reports that said it could happen any day. And it's funny because those reports came right after the reports that Bruce Allen suggested maybe David Shaw be the next Redskins head coach. And I can't help but kind of look back at the way this went in 2014 when we ended up hiring Jay Gruden because David Shaw was a guy that was rumored. I don't know if any conversations ever happened. I don't know if the phone uh, was ever picked up or dialed in the direction of the Redskins towards David Shaw, but I know he was rumored. It was him. It was Art Bryles, which this was, remember, when RG3 was here, so it was the idea uh, of the post-RG3 era in Baylor, Art Bryles reuniting with his star quarterback before all that Baylor controversy went down, and Kevin Sumlin who was hot off the heels of the Johnny Manziel era when Texas A&M actually once lived up to the hype because Lord knows they don't do that now. Those were the three college coaches that were rumored in 2014. So when Bruce Allen suggested to Dan Snyder, hey, let's bring up David Shaw. Let's see what he can do. I thought that was going to be the final straw because if David Shaw wasn't good enough in 2014, when Stanford was in the competition, what felt like year after year to possibly win a national championship, granted this was before the college football playoffs, they didn't have, they had to do with that nonsense BCS stuff, but Stanford, it felt like year in and year out was a really, really good program and they're still a good program, they're still a good football team, they have a couple 9-win seasons, a couple 10-win seasons in the year since 2014, but they are not consistently one of the highly ranked teams teams uh, in the entire nation. They have not at all competed for a college football playoff spot. So it would seem very strange now to hire him in 2019. If he wasn't good enough to cut it in 2014 and the team hasn't gotten monumentally better, what the hell would you got? What the hell would you hire him for now? It makes absolutely zero sense. So when the idea came across that Bruce Allen was whispering in Dan's ear, hey, let's go with David Shaw. I honestly thought that was the final straw. Now, I didn't think it was a coincidence that we heard that rumor, and then the next rumor we heard about Bruce Allen was that he could be getting fired, because it's a ludicrous idea to suggest that David Shaw is the guy now if he wasn't the guy in 2014. He is a great coach. I mean, he, he can coach a football team, but he is a big jump from Stanford to the Washington Redskins. As much as we like to kind of dog on this team a little bit because of the way they've been and the mediocrity that has been in this Dan Snyder era, the Washington Redskins is still a much harder place to coach than Stanford in the Pac-12, which is the worst Power 5 conference 
in college football. I apologize to the Pac-12 fans that are also Redskins fans, but this is the reality of the situation. The Pac-12 is not good. The guy can't even win the Pac-12. What the hell is he going to do in Washington? It's a silly idea, and I honestly thought that's when Dan Snyder was going to snap. I still am holding out some form of hope that Dan Snyder is going to quote-unquote snap, and Bruce Allen is not going to be with us as we move into the next decade. We are still patiently waiting for that to happen, though. Nothing has been set in stone yet. I did see him roaming the sideline, I'm sure, as all of you did as well, by himself against Philadelphia and boy oh boy he looked like a sad puppy dog and boy oh boy I loved every single picture I saw of Bruce Allen roaming the sideline by himself this is what we need to see if you are not going to fire him yet I at least want to see some sort of real division between him and Dan Snyder because that points us in the direction that the fateful day is finally coming I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I see Bruce Allen no longer with this team, we just need that light to get here so much quicker than it currently is because the dude is a disaster. He is filled with mediocrity. Urban Meyer brings controversy wherever he goes. Bruce Allen brings mediocrity, and I am tired of it. I know we can't get rid of Dan Snyder. I have come to grips with that reality as much as I don't like him. We can't get rid of him. We can get rid of Bruce Allen. Get him the hell out and then find a football guy. I've seen the Alex Smith rumors. I have seen the D'Angelo Hall rumors. And I would like to make it clear, I would love both of those two guys to have a role in the front office, but I don't think either of those two guys should be thrust into the general manager spot. That's a lot to ask, but I do think that enough people around the league as players and as coaches trust those two guys as individuals. So if they are in our front office, I think they can possibly bring a really, really good coach or put out a good word to some really, really good players who are making that decision in free agency to come join this organization, but putting them in a spot where they are automatically the general manager and the guy in charge is a very dangerous move. Find a football guy somewhere around the league, find a football-focused individual, put him in that position, and then surround Alex Smith and D'Angelo Hall in the organization because I think they can actually have some sort of benefit in the long term. The answer is not just promote Doug Williams. That's not what this is. Find someone outside of the organization who is a football guy, put him in the general manager spot. And if you want to bring former players that like this place uh, into the front office, that would be a time to do so. But you can't just thrust those former players right into major positions of power without any sort of real experience. The general manager job is actually a difficult job. We like to think, oh, it's just like Madden, you're just building a team. That's not what it is. There are some real ups and downs. There are some real difficulties that come with that job. But I do think at some point, whether it be D'Angelo Hall or Alex Smith, at some point I do think those two guys each have a future as a general manager, uh, either here or somewhere else, wherever they decide to go. But that's just not now. We can start grooming them for it, but we should not just put them in that position of power. Uh, I know you you learn best by doing, just throwing into the deep end of the pool and hoping you swim, but there's also a chance you drown. I prefer to not see either one of those two guys drown in the general manager spot, which would effectively drown us as fans. We, uh, we should be done with this mediocrity thing, get someone that has a proven track record of doing things the right way, and then just put those guys with pull around the league in positions where they can utilize that pull and bring some guys here. 
Before we get into a recap of the actual game itself, it is worth noting we got a couple pro bowlers on the roster this year. Of course, Tressway, pro bowl selection for him, best player on the team. Uh, that's not a joke, but also a really good thing because he's one of the best punters in the league. So good to see him getting a Pro Bowl selection. Brandon Sheriff also getting a Pro Bowl selection. Landon Collins and Matt Ioannidis also getting selected. Those two guys, however, are alternate alternates. Alternates. Not alternates. Alternates. Uh, Landon Collins is a first alternate. And I can't say alternate. Holy hell. Landon Collins is a first alternate. And Matty Ice is the, the fourth alternate in the NFC. I don't know. I don't really know how they're doing the Pro Bowl this year. I Full disclosure, I don't watch the Pro Bowl because I have other things to do. I would be willing to bet most of you don't watch the Pro Bowl because you have other things to do. It was great when I was 10 when they actually ran it the right way. And when people actually wanted to play in the damn game, but no one wants to play in the game anymore. No one wants to get hurt. So the game itself actually sucks. So I don't know if they're doing like the draft thing they did a couple years ago where you just had two captains and you drafted everyone. I don't know what they're doing there, but hopefully it would be nice to see at least all of the all four of those guys get a little bit of play time. Although I'd be willing to bet Brandon Sheriff is not going to play in the Pro Bowl. So someone is probably going to replace him. All right, we got to talk about this game against Philadelphia. Of course, the Redskins fell uh, that the last touchdown does count. That was not really, I don't really fully count that in my game recap. I don't think Dwayne Haskins did anything wrong there. It does technically count as a turnover for him, which sucks when it comes to statistics. But based on what we actually saw in the game, I don't hold that turnover over his head. I, I thought I thought he played really, really well. Uh, this was definitely his best game of the year by a, a pretty significant margin. And this was almost the perfect the the perfect day for the team, which sounds weird. I've tried really hardly to uh, to root against the team for draft stock, but I, I just can't find myself che- actively cheering for bad things to happen for the team, uh, whether that be good or bad uh, for me personally. I just can't. I can't. I can't root for my team to lose. But I'm at the point now where I'm not mad when they lose. So losing here was great for the draft. But it was also great seeing the offense perform the way it did. So losing was nice because yay for our draft and and the possibility of still getting Chase Young. Uh, but seeing the offense look really, really solid in this loss was very refreshing for the future of this team. It was Dwayne Haskins' best game. He and Terry seemed to have a really good connection going on. And I like seeing Steve Sims get involved. I like seeing Calvin Harmon get involved, although I'd like to see Calvin Harmon get a little bit more targets moving forward. But that trio of wide receivers is a pretty good unit. And I think that's our unit moving forward here. Paul Richardson's probably done with the team. He's on injured reserve. There's not really a whole lot of reason to keep him moving forward. You can save a little bit of money by letting him go. So he is probably done. I would imagine Trey Quinn is done as well. There's just not there's not enough room for everyone. And you have these three guys who are studs. I mean, literally all three of them, whether it be Terry, Steve Sims Jr., or Kelvin Harmon, all three of them are really, really good, and they all do different things. So that's a nice little group of wide receivers right there, and they all seem to have chemistry with Dwayne Haskins, and you would think that they can build together. And all of them also are cheap, which is important. They're all on rookie deals, so that that's a big, big positive for the team moving forward. Uh, but the manner in which we lost, like I said, I'm not really counting that fumble that much because we are already losing. That doesn't really I, that just doesn't count to me. I, I apologize. I know it counts on the scoreboard. It counts on fantasy. If you're a betting individual, it counted in that. But as far as my analysis of the game, didn't really care about the fumble that much. But the game-winning touchdown for Philadelphia was, well, it was against Josh Norman. 
and Josh Norman's not going to be here next year. So as much as it sucked to to see that happen, it was refreshing knowing, okay, well, the guy that just led up that touchdown, he's not a part of our future. So it didn't hurt as bad, and it helped our draft stock. Now, Josh Norman still said after the game he feels like he's elite. I, there's no way he actually does, right? I mean, they're just, you can't. You can't actually, after that play, think that you are still an elite cornerback. At one point, he was absolutely one of the best cornerbacks in football, and a part of that time was when he was with us. I thought his first two years, he was still one of the best corners in football. His interception numbers weren't fantastic, but he was locking down a portion of the field every single week. He's not that guy anymore. The shelf life for a great cornerback is a very, very short one. For whatever reason, it seems like that position and running backs, when it comes to elite status, the shelf life is much shorter at those two spots than any other spot on the football field. Josh Norman had his time as an elite cornerback. He got paid like an elite cornerback, and he still is getting paid like an elite quarterback, but he is not an elite cornerback anymore. And I know you have to have confidence after the game. You can't just come out there and say, yeah, I suck, and I don't know why I'm on this team anymore. I get that you can't say that, but there's no way he actually thinks he's an elite cornerback anymore. The ball that Carson Wentz threw on that game-winning touchdown wasn't great, and the guy who he threw it to also wasn't a great wide receiver. The worst part about the Philadelphia Eagles team for the last like eight weeks have been their terrible wide receivers. So you're not an elite cornerback if you're getting beat by one of those terrible wide receivers for the game-winning touchdown. You just aren't. It wasn't a surprise when I saw who was in coverage. It actually did surprise me that it took the Philadelphia Eagles so long to target Josh Norman because that's just what he is nowadays. It's unfortunate because I do think he's a good dude. I think he's great in the community, but he is not an elite cornerback anymore. He's not part of this future anymore for this team, so it didn't hurt that bad to see him being the guy to give up the touchdown. But I want to talk about the offense. I think this is, this is we're going to focus on the good of this game, and the good came from the offense, because Dwayne Haskins is getting better and better every single week. It wasn't too long ago where he was having terrible games, and the game against the Giants is one that really sticks out, and he's going to, he's going to have a chance to, to kind of amend that coming up this week. But he, he made bad decisions, and you can actively see him getting better when it comes to making decisions on a week-by-week basis. And I think we have seen enough because... It wasn't a few, it was only a few weeks ago where, and I mean, maybe people still feel this way. I don't know how you can at this point, but maybe people are still just so anti Dwayne Haskins and so pro Joe Burrow. And I'm just about as pro Joe Burrow as you will find in this area. But I, I have seen enough from Dwayne Haskins to know, okay, this is the guy that can be the future, at least for the next few years. We have other holes on the team that we need to be filled in this draft period. We don't need to take the chance on Joe Burrow. So I'm confident based on what I saw in this game and how I continue to see Dwayne Haskins grow and develop and become a much more mature passer, become much more confident using his legs. The way that he ran against Philadelphia, he's not known as a mobile quarterback, but he was able to make plays with his legs. It was awesome. And you're finally watching this guy kind of start to get everything that's going on in the NFL and get what this team is doing offensively. I don't know who the next head coach of the team is going to be, but I really, really hope that that individual has a good relationship with KOC because I would like to keep him. I think he works really, really well with Dwayne Haskins, and I think Dwayne Haskins really enjoys working with KOC, and I would love for that relationship to continue moving forward with this team because I love what I'm seeing from Dwayne Haskins. He, him connecting with Terry McLaurin is always great. I mean, 261 
and two touchdowns for Dwayne Haskins. And a good chunk of that was aided by that massive touchdown to Terry McLaurin. But that's what happens when you make good throws and on a good read. He put the ball in a spot where Terry McLaurin could go get it and also have room to run. That That's what happens when you do stuff like that. So I was very, very pleased with what I saw from Dwayne Haskins this week. And like I said, I just can't rave enough about the the three wide receivers that we have. I love wide receiver play. It's always been one of my favorite positions to watch in football. And the three guys that we have are just unbelievable. And I think they're going to grow and mature with Dwayne Haskins. So what I what I loved the most out of this game, aside from helping our draft stock a little bit, was just how well the offense played. I didn't ever really think that the game got too big for anyone on the offense. And that's that's impressive. For a guy in Dwayne that's still a rookie, it's really, really impressive to see him kind of stand at that moment and say, okay, like we're taking some shots from from a Super Bowl winning team, an old Super Bowl winning team, granted not exactly the same team, but a quarterback that was playing at an MVP level at one point in his career. I thought Dwayne Haskins did a really good job going toe-to-toe with Carson Wentz, and that was really, really positive. And I know Carson Wentz isn't exactly as good as he was then now, and because all the receivers are terrible, but Carson Wentz is still a good, uh, still a good quarterback. We saw that one throw in the end zone that was just a it was a beautiful throw. It, it hurts me dude, to compliment the Eagles after a loss, but that throw that he made in the corner of the end zone was just a beautiful throw. But I thought Dwayne Haskins went toe-to-toe with him and the game didn't get too big for him, which was really, really positive. And I'm kind of excited for the day when Bryce Love gets involved in this. I mean, we still got him coming. I don't know when, but Bryce Love is going to be coming soon. And when he joins this group with Darius Geis... I mean, the Redskins offense looks like it's going to be in a pretty good spot. Also, if you look at mock draft, if you're a mock draft guy, the Jerry Judy pick that a lot of people are saying the Redskins are going to take it three. Nope, not happening. Just wipe that completely clean. They're not taking Jerry Judy at three. Could they take a wide receiver in this upcoming draft? I hope so, because it's going to be a great wide receiver class. They are not taking Jerry Judy at three. I think, I hope we have learned you don't need to take a wide receiver in the first round. Didn't exactly work too well with Josh Doxson. We can just kind of stop on that for the next few years. Get a good receiver in the second, third, or fourth round like they did with um, with the guys they have now. These, The best part about this wide receiver group is that none of them were high draft picks. So it's proving that you can get a good wide receiver, three of them, in the same year and not use top draft picks. So you can use that top draft pick, which is going to be a high one for us, whether it be number two at a spot to get Chase Young, or whether it be kind of later in the draft, in the, in the top, well, it's going to be top five most likely, but whether it be later on the back end, maybe at five, and you can get a guy like Andrew Thomas from Georgia. We need a left tackle. Donald Penn's been, he's been fine, but we need a left tackle. Trent's not coming back unless some divine act occurs in his mind and in his relationship with the Redskins Trent's not coming back so we want to get Andrew Thomas I'm all for it use that early pick to fill other holes we don't need a wide receiver so I I just felt like that was necessary to say because I saw that I saw that pick on the mock draft I think it was McShay's mock draft and I just it it totally lacked understanding for what the Redskins are as a team right now and that's not Todd McShay's fault I know that dude watches an immense amount of film for all these guys in college but the Redskins are not in desperate need of a wide receiver and you don't draft a wide receiver at the third pick unless you're in desperate need of one so the Jerry Judy pick not happening it's not 
it's not. So if, you, if you're a big Jerry Judy fan, you're like, yo, I really want Jerry Judy on the Redskins. I apologize. You can fantasy draft him in uh, Madden 2020, but he's not going to be playing for the Redskins because he's not getting drafted at number three. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. I know we discussed a lot. This went a lot longer than it was originally planned to, but I kind of got on a rant a little bit. But I'd love to know your thoughts on, well, anything that we talked about in this week's podcast at Denton underscore day on Twitter. Let me know what you think of Urban Meyer being in D.C., when you think Bruce Allen is going to get fired, and what you think of our trio of wide receivers. I love them so very much at Denton underscore day on Twitter. Looking forward to the game this weekend against the Giants. Hopefully Dwayne Haskins takes another step forward and we will be back next week recapping that game and hopefully a a good performance again by the offense. So that's it for the Pigpen Podcast. I will see you next week.